Hi everyone, I'm Summer. I'm Carrie. And this is Copacia Podcast. I'm nervous. <laughs> I was hoping you would be fine. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh my god! What the hell just happened? <laughs> what the hell? What is happening? <laughs> um, make sure you come back. We're going to do this bi-weekly. So make sure you come back to talk to, to us more about you know, sex, drugs, and self-improvement. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Um, if you listened to the last episode, <laughs> I made a comment about how we were going to discuss marriage. Yes. And the um, some common uh, misconceptions and issues that people that uh some common issues about the way that we talk tend to talk about it um kind of okay and so in the interest of full disclosure we carrie and i started talking about this and doing an episode on this after somebody came at me on twitter about (laughs) because they could not understand because i was talking about marriage as in the legal contract of marriage and they could not understand that that is separate from your relationship right could not wrap their head around it and so we were we've been carrie and i frequently have conversations about first of all we were raised in evangelical yes culture which has some very definite ideas about marriage so what were you taught marriage was um i like we obviously grew up in the church so like i was taught that marriage is a reflection of your relationship with christ where he is number one so like your husband would be number one um and your relationship is supposed to reflect that so you're supposed to be obedient to your spouse for the woman not the man the woman's right. supposed the to woman be obedient is, to the partner. Patriarchy. Um, and he and he's the quote unquote head. He's the head of the house, just like God is head of the church. Um and Did they so, show you that stupid umbrella diagram? Yes. Oh. Like God and the church. I, I will find people. that and splice it in. It's yeah, God and then the man and then the woman and the kids are in that. Um because you're not a godly wife if you're not obedient, damn it. Like, I've literally heard, and people think I'm crazy, though, like, surely nobody says this. I've heard this in many, many, many churches. If he's being abusive or whatever, you're just not being a godly enough wife. You're, yeah. if, however low he is, he is the, the, the head, and however low he is, you have to get lower and push him up. That's your job as a godly wife. And you know what? Fuck you. If that's all what that. you believe, like, that is so unhealthy and damaging and quite frankly fucking abusive. Do it's, not ever say that to somebody. Because I will so call abusive. you on that every time. And, like, as somebody who is, like, a part of the kink community and, like, when you're talking about, like, dominant and submissive, like, it kind of reflects in that, like, the way people think that it is. Because um, everybody thinks, like, the dominant is, like, that one has all of the power, so people think that, like, God and, like, your spouse would be like that, and the submissive gives them to whatever and does whatever the fuck it, they want. Like, no, that's not how it works. It should be an equal partnership, and everybody should be going into it, regardless of if you sign the piece of paper or not. 
like right and that's that's really what i wanted to get into because this is what the person could not seem to grasp your relationship and here's the problem and i i and i think part of the problem is because socially in this country we are so socially influenced by that um repressive religious ideas i mean our fucking federal holidays are informed by christian holidays um yeah our you know i mean a lot of the way we talk about things this push is and and quite frankly it's not just christianity it is american evangelicalism that really does inform the majority of this stuff um because they have become such a pervasive force in the last several decades um We've got to stop using the word marriage when you're talking about your relationship. I see articles, how to improve your marriage. You know how to improve your marriage? How you work on your marriage? Marriage is a legal property contract that affects your rights and responsibilities. You enter, the two people enter it with the state. You make the state a part of that arrangement and then they, it gives them the right to determine what happens to your assets. It alters your rights and your legal protections, all of those things. It is a business contract. It is not the same as your relationship. You don't even have to be in a romantic relationship to be married. Not a requirement. So when you say improve your marriage, what you're talking about is further contracting those postnuptial agreements on how, okay, this is how these assets are gonna be taken care of. This is how these assets are gonna be taken care of. But that's not what most people mean when they say that. They're talking about the relationship and it is this conflation, I believe is intentional by those people who have a persecution complex and talk about quote unquote culture war. Um, So they want all of this. And this was also my objection when we were still fighting for gay marriage was the whole concept of love is love and love won. It's not fucking about love. Legal marriage is not about love separate issues, very separate issues. You can have a perfectly happy, fulfilling relationship without being legally married. You can be legally married and it doesn't say anything about your relationship. Cause that was the thing that this person on Twitter kept saying, it's like, well, ba- she kept talking about baby mama culture and I'm not sure what the fuck that means exactly. Cause she wouldn't define it for me. But, <laughs> um, but she's, She's like, if you're an ex-wife, at least you tried. Okay, being married to somebody does not mean you tried. It doesn't mean anything except you signed a contract that altered your legal rights. And when I say altered legal rights, I need people to understand. It literally alters your rights and protections. For example, in the state of Oklahoma, where Carrie and I both live, if you are married, the definition of rape changes. Which is terrifying. Marital rape, it is only considered rape if you are, if it, if your spouse is the perpetrator, if it is quote unquote forceful. So if you are physically forced or threatened with a weapon, those things, coercion doesn't count. Drugging you doesn't count. It literally changes your legal protections. And it also changes your um, property rights and things you are literally handing over everything you own and will own to this person it takes, um, like, all of your like bodily autonomy like yes talking about like the rape and talking um even just something like 
when a woman like gives birth and gets like an episiotomy and they do the fucking husband stitch because they know that you're married or you can't have an abortion unless your husband says you can like um you also and those are and and the irony is under HIPAA they are not entitled to any of that information they're not like they are violating the law by consulting them because they are not the patient um but the same happens with um with uh sterilization if you're married they will it's not I've looked into this and talked to people from several different states. I couldn't find a state where it's actually the law. So apparently it's just a common practice in a lot a lot of clinics where they want uh, they want him to sign off because he might want to have more kids. It doesn't fucking matter if he wants to have more kids. Because if I don't want to, and I am the one putting my life at risk because every pregnancy is a risk to the life of the patient. Yeah. That's my decision. And so... Oh, he might want to have more kids, so you think it's okay for him to coerce me yeah. into being his incubator? No, thank you. Yeah. So, anyhow, there's a whole lot of legal ramifications that come into it. But as someone who's law trained and a formerly practicing attorney, my, I am begging people. <laughs> I, I People say I'm anti-marriage. I'm not anti-marriage. The contract, although I think there are flaws in how it is executed, no other contract is legal without a disclosure of terms. I do think a disclosure of terms should be required. However, I'm not against people entering that contract, but it is a legal contract. So you should not enter into it without proper legal advice. Do not go, you do not go to, you do not go get married just because you love somebody. And it's got nothing to do with that. Two totally separate things. Now, we talked about in the last episode how, like, the True Love's Weights lady was, like, so some churches are requiring their people to be legally married in order for them to to recognize their relationship as legitimate. And I would just like to please encourage people to, if they're, if you're, if you're cult's standard is following it is requiring that you should really look into that and consider um potentially finding something that's a little bit less coercive for one because what if if that legal if that legal contract is not in your best interest why on earth would anybody who who has your best interests at heart want to coerce you into entering it yeah. Um, because that is my I will not get legally married again because not because I have an issue with marriage, but I do have an issue with the terms that it creates in the state I'm in. You cannot you cannot disinherit a spouse. Which means if I get legally married again, a good portion of my children's inheritance and everything I have built to leave to them will instead go to my spouse. And it doesn't matter what the prenup says. It doesn't matter what the will says. You can't, it's a forced share. If you're legally married, they are entitled to it. And I'm not willing to do that. And I quite frankly don't want to be with somebody who thinks that's okay to take from my children yeah. in that way. Or that would think it was okay because, I mean, most men my age have kids, you know, who would be okay with me taking from their kids in that way. 
So to me, that's just a sign we aren't we aren't compatible. But in any event, yes, I strongly discourage marriage from being a goal in dating. Oh, oh, did you in your church, in your church upbringing, did they have you? Um, what was this stupid book? Uh, dating with a purpose. We didn't have dating with a purpose. I think what was it called? I think I still have it somewhere because I like to look at it and laugh. Uh, I think it was called like finding true love or something. Oh or lord, love, something along those lines. Um, and it was all dating. It was dating with a purpose. Like the goal is repackaged and you're right that oddly mm-hmm. and leave room for baby Jesus between you two till marriage. Like no, right, right. And the whole thing about dating with a purpose, the whole idea is exactly what it says. The purpose is basically you're treating dating like a job interview process to find your spouse so the goal is this fucked up legal contract which is weird especially if you're trying to find somebody who's actually a partner to fulfill because remember all of this is also in the context of compulsory monogamy right yeah oh i wish i had had pulled up the hierarchy of needs i will find a way to edit that in the hierarchy of needs, right? So you've got the bottom band, which is the, you know, the base needs, which are the physiological needs, you know, and sex is in that. So that's, you know, you get that covered. And then your your physical needs, which ideally here, which is involved in the marriage contract. That's what you're negotiating in there. You know, you're financially responsible for each other and housing and food and all of that. But then the actual emotional connections and um, intimacy and all of that goes midway, right? But under this concept of compulsory monogamy, they expect you to get all of that from one person. And like, they even have this concept of emotional cheating, which just means any deep emotional connection with this person other than your partner. And then you're shamed for that, for having perfectly normal, valid, healthy relationships outside of that um, coupling. (laughs) And so then, and so then the idea of dating with a purpose is you're basically interviewing uh, candidates to be that one person. And I mean, I have never met a person. I, I have, I have known many many like hundreds of people who did this i have never met a single couple that did this that actually has a healthy happy relationship there i've is, met many many that are together for years but not in a healthy way there is currently like i think like every few years like, on any social media except for maybe like vine because the videos were six seconds but like on any social media i it seems like it goes through a cycle where cis men specifically go through this thing where they talk about how women eat shit and like they're decreasing their value by having sex with people and there's currently on tiktok (laughs) a barrage of men saying that they're high value men and there's low value women because they sleep around and they're doing the key and lock analogy all over the fucking place, which is so stupid. And, like, they're all saying, like, the point of marriage is so that, because women emotionally and physically only need one man. 
but men need more than one woman. And so trying to figure out that logic, like even using their key and lock analogy, which is so dehumanizing because we're not fucking objects, first of all. Well, and that, like, but that's what the whole idea of dating with a purpose or dating for marriage does. It's it just so insane. The people, because you're not, you're not making connections with people. Yeah, no, like it's about treating those people as objects, and that's why it is such a disaster from yeah. step one. It's so you are de- it's so dehumanizing. It's so ridiculous, and the thought of being called a low value person because I, that, is from, sex, that is that is that. That that is uh, that phrase is from a specific podcaster that I can't remember his name right now, and I'm trying and to get it up here. But I don't there's... really, I don't want to put his name in here because I don't want to encourage people to go um, interact with his content. Uh, I have watched him because um, someone that I am involved with watches him. Just going to interrupt for a brief moment to update that I am no longer involved with this person. And it is absolutely a direct result of those um, repressive gender stereotypes and patriarchal ideologies that he just could not seem to um, break free of. And um, I'm not here for it. So no need for an intervention. Um, I was able to assert boundaries. He was not about to have that. And so we parted ways. Back to the topic at hand. And he had me watching him. I I said, you realize this is all evangelical bullshit. Everything I just heard. In fact, his speaking style. And then I looked him up and turns out he's from more fucking Oklahoma. I said, that's that's it. Because I could like that was straight up evangelical preacher. Just his inflection, the way he talks, everything. I'm like, I I said, I've heard all this bullshit. It It does not change what I think boiling every time because there's a bunch of creators on tiktok that i follow that talk about his videos um specifically there's um a woman named drew afawalo she is a samoan creator and i love her so much she's wonderful Uh, all she does is roast men all day long like roast the misogynistic hateful fat phobic queer roast like queer phobic people like all that kind of shit. That's all she does all day is roast those men and make fun of them. And I love her with my whole entire being. Um, there is another woman on there named Kaylin Easley. And she is also a, a POC creator. Um, and she does, like, these skits where she pretends to be these men and, like, tries to, like, reverse it and show them how ridiculous they're being. I think you might have sent, I think you might have sent me one or two of these. It is fantastic. I love both of them. Go follow them on TikTok. I'm going to send I don't have TikTok. the link so that she can post them down below because they're wonderful creators and I love yes. them. Send me links because I don't have TikTok. I'm an old. <laughs> I love them so much. But like, they like, they talk about these men and like the logic and the logistics behind what they're saying. Because, like, it doesn't make sense when you break it down, like, for marriage purposes. They're saying m- women are only supposed to have one man in their life, but men can have as many women as they want. Which doesn't make sense with the marriage contract and doesn't make sense with what they're saying, like, religiously. Because religiously, you're supposed to be monogamous. And well, in some religions. I don't believe in that, but yeah. 
I mean, Christianity, it's like right. It's unnatural. Well, I don't know. Look at the yeah. Old Testament. How many wives did Solomon have? That's almost land. But <laughs> um, but it does make sense though. In if we go back to what we talked about in the last episode about emotionally immature people, because what it really boils down to, because I understand, I understand the point. Some of the points he was making, I understand how he got there, mm-hmm. but it's all rooted in relating to people only through roles and right. not connection. And so on this superficial level, it might quote unquote work as far as, you know, getting needs met, getting the things you want, which is what I see a lot. I mean, I see a lot of women too, like, oh, I'm, you know, they only want to be with a man if he, you know, he's buying them stuff, paying for stuff. Yeah. I'm like, okay, and first of all, okay, I just want to say, I really need people to stop talking about marriage as the goal is just to have a quote unquote provider. What if, if you want him to provide for you, that's fine. If you want a man to support you, but please stop the hypocrisy of pretending like it is somehow better because you're married. What you're doing, sweetie, is full immersion sex work. Yes. And huh. as someone who ha- who used to do sex work, I have no problem with sex work. What I have a problem with is you're getting uppity about it, like you're doing something somehow better because, you, oh, I'm his wife. Big fucking deal. He was still paying me to fuck him. I don't know yeah. why you think it's somehow better. Um, but it's because of the stigma. And that's the whole point. We need to undo these stigmas because they don't make any sense. But anyhow off my tangent back to that it really goes back to i'm sorry i'm really adhd today, like <laughs> way bad i should know i think that would be slow my brain down. for another episode <laughs> it really would oh. um but the it really does come down to and and that is what i found in talking to this person that i know who made me watch those episodes well he didn't make me i agreed to um was that it really comes down to relating to people through roles and not connection. And so people, and unfortunately, because of the way a lot of American men are conditioned, that is the level that they're comfortable with in relationships and in how they relate to people. So of course that idea sounds very appealing. It's very black and white. It's very rule-based, right? And so there's an absolute right, wrong, and it's all about roles. There's none of this messy emotional stuff. There's none of this emotional intimacy or connection. So they don't have to feel all those feelings. So I understand why it's appealing. Well, do I think it will result in a in a well-rounded, healthy relationships? Absolutely not. So if someone wants to continue to engage with that person, that's fine. But you need to be aware that you're going to have to get your emotional needs met somewhere else. So if you have this ridiculous concept of quote-unquote emotional cheating, you need to find a fucking way to resolve that because you're going to have to have an emotional relationship with someone else or you're going to be deprived of that, which has a lot of negative consequences for your mental and physical health. Um, Or ultimately what usually happens is if they are trying to stay deprived of that because they've agreed to not have, you know, all of their needs met that can't be met within that relationship is it eventually blows up because you're miserable (laughs) right and so you either have to find a good balance where you're getting all of that met 
you know, and being realistic or it's eventually going to fall apart. Yeah. Cause it like cutting, like making somebody cut off like the emotional like connections with people, like that's cutting off your friendships. That's cutting off like people in your family. Like that's abuse. And also, don't get a relationship like that. Right. It is. And also the thing you mentioned er uh, earlier about the, I can have multiple partners, but she cannot. That is an abusive idea. It is treating the person. Okay. Here's the way I explain this because I had this, I had this conversation recently. Um, I don't think having multiple, you know, having other partners is a bad thing. Okay. However, if you think it would be bad to be done to you, right? If, if, um, if I, then if, if it's a bad thing when it's done to me, then if I turn around and do it to Carrie, I am mistreating her deliberately and consciously. It does not matter if Carrie thinks there's a pro thinks that that behavior is bad. I have said it's bad because I set a boundary that you can't do it to me. So then if I am turning around and doing it to Carrie, I am deliberately mistreating her. That is abusive behavior. Yeah. There's no, there's no wiggle room there. It's either bad or it's not. And you cannot, that is the minimum standard of how you should treat people. And I really, really encourage people to have those boundaries. So in any event, I'll go off my soapbox on that. But yes, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I don't have a problem with people. And I've been in polyamorous relationships before, you know, where, and, and all of that. I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem with somebody thinking they should be entitled to put rules on their partners that they will not abide by themselves. Yeah, I because you're treating them as lesser. They're, you're treating them as less of a person than you. I read like a bunch of um, writings from poly people on like mm -hmm. that life from polyamorous people. Excuse me. Um, and it's just like it's so hard. It was so hard for me to like wrap my head around it growing up evangelical, where you're supposed to be monogamous, like in. American. Oh, we're taught that that's natural. Like that that's it, normal. That's the way God made us. Like, they literally not, tell us that bullshit. And it's not true. It's a blatant lie. And it's still so hard for me to like break out of that mindset and like catch mm -hmm. myself doing it because I will tell people like I'm cool with Polly and like I don't mind doing it. And then like I still get my feelings hurt when stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And so I'm teaching myself and like making myself get out of that like toxicness because that is horrible and like I think more people should be able to admit that because like there's no way that I'm gonna be able to provide emotionally like everything that somebody needs like I'm just no not. one person can no like, one person can we are collective people we are community yeah. people and um so emotional you know bonds come in should we should have deep emotional bonds with many many people yeah. like that's how we're made but as far as like the sexual thing, when I realized what really made me get to the point where I said, you know what, I don't have the right to put that restriction on someone, was to really realize that by doing so, I am treating them like property. 
because really, you know, when it comes to property rights, um, one of the primary property rights, a little law school lesson here, one of the primary property, there's four, there's four things in this bundle of rights, but one of the primary ones is the right of exclusion, okay? I get to use this and no one else does without my permission. And that's really what we're saying about our partner, or as I talked to um, my sister the other day about this, and as she put it, um, no one else gets to touch my sex dispenser. <laughs> that, I mean, that's literally what we, the, I mean, when you break it down, that's really what yeah. we're saying. Um, and, and the, but we have been so indoctrinated in just the last couple generations. And it's really only been the last couple generations that we have been taught to expect this, um, as women to expect this from men. Um, because prior to that, like 20 years ago, I spent a, many, 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 many hours um, volunteering at nursing homes. So, you know, I was talking 100-year-old people, you know, the, 20 years ago. So we're talking, you know, the parents and grandparents of the boomers. Um, none of them expected that. Yeah. Literally all the men and women, both. And I mean, I know we talk about patriarchy and all of that, but really most of them were like, no, I mean, it's not realistic to expect. Like, of course, somebody's going to step out here and there, especially when you're together for 50 or 60 years. Uh, and the men would tell me my primary concern was just most of them, like they didn't want to not know if the kid was theirs, right? Like they, that was their concern. But other than that, so. Just want to pause real quick here to clarify because I realized in the editing process that um, what I was trying to say wasn't quite clear. I'm not saying that quote unquote infidelity was not a concern or an issue or was always shrugged off. In um, previous generations, what was explained to me by these elders was that it wasn't a relationship deal breaker, um, which is a very different thing. Um, as one woman put it, you know, you get mad, you get upset, you fight for a while, but they need to stay together. And um, also, it's important to remember that people had to be legally married at that time. Um, you could, it was illegal in most places to live together, not married. And unless you're wealthy, even today, unless you're wealthy, divorce is financially devastating. <laughs> so it was actually pretty rare for people to divorce just based on that. Um, in fact, women usually couldn't get a divorce um, on those grounds. Uh, men were almost always let by with that. However, men did divorce women with a the grounds being listed as adultery. Um, but what's been explained to me and what I can find in looking through um, histories and, and memoirs and things from those generations is that very often that wasn't the real reason. It was just weaponized shame. It was a reason that was cited in order to publicly shame because of purity culture, sex shaming, and, you know, sex is shameful, and having sex with somebody who's not your husband is even more so. So it was very much about a way to harm and not actually an act of adultery. In fact, very often, those alleged acts weren't even proven in those courts, so probably didn't even happen. So that's my point is we've got to stop conflating 
and going along with the fairy tale idea and start looking at the reality in that it's very much about, um, these ideas are very much about property and control and not about love or healthy relationships. And our assertion here is just that we should be focusing on healthy relationships and less so on um, creating, you know, on prioritizing property contracts or treating people like property. It really wasn't considered a deal breaker at that time, like it is now. So it's really only been the last few generations that this has been expected. And we've like had this pendulum swing to where we're so unrealistic because people, humans, they're human. And, and we act like this is the ultimate betrayal and I mean, we're talking, the research shows like the the vast majority of people who are supposedly monogamous have sex outside of their relationship. Yeah. Um, and that's self-reporting numbers. It was like in the 70 something percent. I should have looked this up. And the, so then when you add to that, you know, the um, there's an old truism about there's a quarter of people who still don't admit you know, <laughs> in these surveys, even if there's not a chance, there's usually roughly a quarter of the people who have also done it but won't admit to it. Yeah. And if you add that, you're, you're looking at 99%. Um, so the major, so almost all of these monogamous, quote unquote, monogamous relationships aren't actually monogamous in practice. They just want you to think they are. Say they are. <laughs> They want to, well, and they want to think to themselves yeah. that they are. And so then we hear about this is the ultimate betrayal because they did a very human thing and had sex with someone else. But then there's like all these other factors that they're not looking at. Like, what is the betrayal? Having sex is not an inherently bad thing. So that's not the bad thing they did. Yeah. So what, they broke your, they broke your arbitrary rule? See, a rule that you really didn't have a right to put on them in the first place. Right now, the problem actually lies in you guys agreed to something and they broke that. So why are you focusing on who they fucked or that yeah. they fucked someone else and, and not the fact that really the problem was the lies, the deceit, whatever. But then, but people don't want to focus on that because then it gets down, it gets more complicated, right? Because the reality is, did, were they free to say no? They might have actually thought that they could be monogamous at the time they made that agreement. You know, things happen, we don't plan. Um, they might have felt like it was a choiceless choice, you know, especially if they're already invested in this and this is going well, then they're like, yeah, I'll, I, you know, of course, because they don't want to lose you. And, not, and that's not always a lie. Sometimes it is a lie and manipulation, but it's not always. Sometimes they really had good intentions. But we blow it up into this whole big thing. But I really think it's a partially, it's exacerbated by this whole idea of purity because of purity culture, right? Because sex is this big, shameful, taboo thing. And especially outside of marriage. Like I've reached the point, I refuse to use words like affair, mistress, all of those things, because they are deliberately stigmatizing language to try to delegitimize those relationships. Yeah. But you know what? Those relationships were legitimate enough to those people who were in them. I've effectively like that in my fucking business. Words for my vocabulary. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you the last time I used them. Like mm -hmm. you're treating that 
other person as if they are not a person. And they may not have even known that the person they were seeing is married or in a relationship. Like, oh, absolutely. That changes everything. Like, they thought that they were mm-hmm. in something and this person lied to them when they had this going on. Over right. Here. Like, the whole problem is the person that's lying. And nobody wants to focus on that because they want to think that, like you said, that this person, like, had some kind of extenuating circumstances that made them do it when they most genuinely, most generally didn't have that. And so they want to think that they can still be with this person because they love them or whatever, like, the, because the, for whatever reason, like, it's, it just doesn't make right. sense to me. Right. Like, and I mean, the lying is, so... the lying, the lying is the issue, is an issue, yeah. yes. But are you going to have the same reaction if they're lying about something else? Yeah. Probably not. That's the thing is this disproportionality because if they lied to you about that, they probably lied to you about some other things too. But if you're okay with that, like you, it's, it's not, the reaction isn't uh, really fitting what's happening. So for clarification, the point is not that all their other relationships outside of yours shouldn't matter to you or that you don't have a right to feel how you feel about that. The point is that lies and deception related to that are very much the same as lies and deception related to other things. Now, how you feel and to what degree that matters to you, you know, is going to vary by the individual. But the point is, if this one is more significant to you because of the sexual aspect that's something to examine and if it's just because of the you know it's a repeated unhealthy pattern where they're doing this to hurt you then it's not about the sex at all is it it's about that pattern and the reality is that pattern is probably playing out in other scenarios as well that you're choosing to overlook because it's not this ah, horrific, you know, sexual nature. And that's something that needs to be examined because you should not be tolerating that sort of mistreatment. And I hope that you will take a look at that and find a safe way out if that's the situation. But when you mentioned the third party, every time that conversation comes up, then I hear that, well, well, they shouldn't mess with married people. They should, whatever. And so it comes back to this whole idea of quote unquote marriage as a social contract. Okay, social contracts require a standard definition and understanding within the society of what those parameters are. That does not exist in the United States because marriage is a legal contract. Just because somebody's married does not mean they can't have other partners. There are many people who consensually have that arrangement where you can have, you know, they're not monogamy is not a requirement to get married in the United States. There is no social contract that exists universally in the United States with regards to marriage or relationships in general at all. It's, it's not there. Get that fantasy out of your head. They m- exist in small amounts in, in, very, in communities, like in your own religious circle, maybe. But honestly, if you start talking to people, everybody's going to, most of the time, unless it's very, very strict like the fundamentalist groups, they have very rigid ideas. 
But the further out you get from that, most of them are like, you know, well, the two people set the parameters, they set the relationship up, how it works for you. That means there's no fucking social contract. Yeah. So no third party owes you anything. That's between you and your partner. Doesn't matter how many other people there are involved over there, they don't owe you anything. So if my man fucks 14 people, none of them people owed me anything. Yeah. <laughs> none of them. None of them. Yeah. That's between me and the, and and that person. That's it. It's a hard thing to like break out of, especially like if you're raised a bit like it's so hard. I still struggle with it sometimes because it's so like ingrained, deeply ingrained into me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that, yeah, that's the problem with the indoctrination. And a lot of times, particularly with people, we have a slightly different perspective because we've deconstructed that a lot of that indoctrination. But people who can't do, who haven't done that, or who are still at least fundamentally believe in that teaching they're stuck in that because to rethink that really is rethinking their entire world and i promise they would be much happier if they could do that but it changes um, a lot of your core person and that's really difficult to accept truly like it really is it it really is it really is difficult um I believe we would be much better as a whole community if we could do that. And because, because those ideas, because those ideologies treat people like objects and not people. I do think that if we could break out of that and get away from that, we would be much better because we do need to be treating people like people. And that's not just a, that's not just a, you know, a, a man thing or a woman thing. That's a universal issue that I'm seeing is treating the treating other people like objects instead of people. Yeah, because like that really has no gender identity. Right. That is a value thing. Like you don't value the other person. You don't value what they give you. You don't value like anything related to it. And so you treat them as an object. You treat them as something to own. Or they're treating them like, or they're relating to them in those roles, right? Like we talked about that. And so they're only what they can add to you and what they can do for you. Well, that's still treating them like an object because you aren't making a connection with that person. You're not even seeing them as the whole person, really. You're just evaluating what they quote unquote bring to the table, you know, And so it's very transactional and keeping it at that transactional level never treats the parties as full people. Yeah. So So feel free to comment. (laughs) Uh, Be nice to be not be kind to each other. We can handle you being mean to us, but be kind to each other. Um, We would like to, you know, we're always open. As you, as you saw in the last video, we read a, you know, we read a book that was recommended. So we do actually listen and read those comments. Um, So feel free to interact and give your. um... Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any of the uploads, be sure to turn on those notifications. So you, uh, you will know as soon as those go up. Um, Also like us on social media. 
at Hypoxia Podcast, or uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, hypoxia.com. That's H-O-P-O-K-S-I-A.com. And the links to all the socials and all the podcast feeds are right there. And we just want to thank you all for sharing your time with us, hanging out with us, and we hope to um, spend more time with you in the future.